Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Reynolds, the author of Miles Morales' Spider-Man, and you are so lucky because right now you're tuned in to the Ultimate Spin. Ultimate Spin. This is Ultimate Spin. My name is Jack, and welcome to the Spider-Man fan podcast that follows the ongoing adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. Coming up in this episode, the Sinister Six closes in while things take an unexpected turn for Miles in Spider-Man issue 235. We'll also discuss the latest news about upcoming movies for both Miles and Gwen, plus, of course, listener feedback, and we'll announce the winner of our Spider-Man Homecoming giveaway. Hey everyone, this is Brian, and if you're new to our podcast, or even if you're not, you're invited to visit us at ultimatespinpodcast.com. You can find show notes and follow along with everything we'll be discussing in this episode. Plus, you can download or stream shows for pretty much every Miles and Gwen issue to date. And if you're interested in going behind the scenes, check out our exclusive interviews with the writers and artists who bring these characters to life. I'm assuming you love these books as much as Brian and I do, otherwise... Why would you be listening to us? And in that case, we want to hear from you. You can drop us a line at feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com and tell us what you think, what's going on with both Miles, Gwen, anything else kind of going around these characters, whether it's movies, comics, TV shows, cartoons. There's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, and we want to hear from you. Lots of stuff to talk about. We are recording this uh, Saturday, December 9th, early morning for me, midday for Jack. And there's news that the trailer for the long-awaited Miles Morales movie is debuting today at, of all places, Brazil Comic-Con. I wonder why the choice for Brazil Comic-Con. I guess it was just the timing of when the trailer is ready. But I do kind of feel like they're doing this just to spite us. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'll tell you what, (laughs) if, and I'm assuming it will, if it happens to get released online later today and uh, Jack and I are able to, maybe we'll uh, record a quick Reaction to it and drop that in. It'll be so seamless you won't even notice. You won't even notice. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It is now Sunday, December 10th, 2017. Jack and I have reconvened to catch up on some news that broke since we were recording our earlier episode. Obviously, the Miles trailer, but more importantly, we saw a post from Miles's creator, Brian Michael Bendis, who revealed that he had a very serious health scare earlier this week. I'll just read his tweet. Uh, he said, so one week ago, I woke up in intensive care because of a surprise MRSA infection that grabbed and blinded me for four days. This was the worst week of my life. I almost died on Monday. It'll take months to recover. Uh, he goes on to thank the people that uh, in his life that were there to help him and his family through this and says that he's home and Marvel and DC have both been very understanding about this. And that's pretty scary stuff. MRSA is, if you don't know, a pretty nasty uh, bacterial infection. Yeah, kind of crazy news out of nowhere. And uh, of course, we send our best wishes and and good health to Brian Michael Bendis. But I really, really liked how he mentioned so many people in the comics community, other creators from Marvel and from DC who all reached out to him and helped and offered to 
help his family to because you know there's that kind of classic dc marvel rivalry it's nice to see things like this that bring people together and kind of transcend those boundaries and yeah yeah i think i think it was a it was a positive message from all the fans as well and yeah get well soon mr bendis yes get well get well soon we're we're thinking of you and and wishing all the best um and he did close out uh by saying today Waking up to your reactions to Jessica and Miles, uh, the trailers both coming out on the same day, was such a reversal of fortune to where I was last week that I could not even process it. Thank you for being you. I'm on the mend. I'm here and I get better every day. Uh, That's probably a good segue as any because, oh my gosh, the Miles Morales Into the Spider-Verse trailer. Holy sh**. Yeah, I think that's pretty much (laughs) that was my reaction. Like, holy f***ing sh**. Oh my God, that is a million times. Like, I didn't even know... Yeah, I wow. That was that was the perfect perfect teaser. I mean, it didn't give away any major plot points, but presented this vibe and mood. It was intense and thrilling and charming and wow. Where where to begin? Yeah, I want to kind of start with the the mood as you said, the kind of atmosphere of the whole thing. And looking at it straight away and the fact that it's called kind of Spider-Verse and things like that and me being of course, a bit of a fanboy of a certain other Spider character, I was thinking, oh my god, they're doing a crossover with 2099. This felt like, almost like a Blade Runner style, neon Manhattan, neon New York kind of weird futuristic setting. And it just looked absolutely amazing. The lighting, the reds and the blues. Of course, Miles' kind of color scheme is black and red, so they really focused on that. And it just looks absolutely incredible. The lighting was just absolutely insane the opening kind of shot across the street looks unlike any other animated thing i've ever seen before it was really quite stunning and quite a surprise to me i thought they were going to go for quite a light tone and this is totally kind of at night dark seemingly quite mature i don't know we we don't know of the tone of it yet but yeah the mood and atmosphere that they've set is quite like you said brian intense is a really good word for it yeah and the the music um People are, seem to think that it's a track by Vince Staples, but uh, if it is him, uh, it's not a track that's released yet. But the mood of that song and that shot of Miles and the subway going by, I love that it was a Q train, you know, just to shout out to Brooklyn. And the lyric I thought was perfect. The lyric is, I'm coming home now, right where I belong. Like, how perfect is that? Especially in a year where we had Homecoming and such a tease of Miles Morales and that whole universe that 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 book is about you know being presented on screen but now it's like no we're doing this for real that was such a punch the air moment for me definitely definitely and i think the the most jaw-dropping moment for sure is when he leaps off that building the glass shattering behind him and cascading down and he falls and the camera turns upside down it's such beautiful beautiful camera work yeah but how many how many spider-man films have we had now and that they were able to find a fresh way to present that just blew me away. I mean, the slow motion and then it switches really fast to the kind of jerky cam, like zooming in and out really quick to balance that sensation, I guess, of, of grace and then sheer terror. <laughs> the falling off of really, really high buildings, the kind of classic leap of faith style kind of thing is a big part of the 2099 books. And that's totally the vibe Like as I saw him falling and you see the the kind of logo that he's got on, especially on his back, again, looks very 2099. It's kind of that elongated red spider with the fangs and the legs kind of sticking down and things like that. And as far as I can tell from this, this is kind of a, almost like what we got in Homecoming with Peter Parker and his 
like pajama Spider-Man set. You've got Miles with his kind of homemade. Is it like sprayed on, like almost like a graffiti kind of logo on the front of his costume? There, yeah. I really, really like that he's kind of yeah from the ground up kind of Spider-Man, and you know, it, I think they'll be able to find a balance between him and Peter and make him feel unique and interesting. I think this would be a great opportunity to introduce him to a new audience. The costume, I thought the hoodie was a great touch. And Miles, Air Jordans, that was that just looked so perfect. And it was, you know, you have Spider-Gwen wearing chucks. And so to get Miles a nice pair of kicks as well was, <laughs> was great. I, um, like, I, I also like the uh, shot of Miles at Peter's grave and just the way that was uh, presented in shadow. And then the suggestion yeah. that Peter is going to be in this, like, but older. Yeah. Is that a alternate version of Peter, a future Peter, a past Peter? We're going to find out what's going on. My immediate thought was, oh, it's going to be like Spider-Men. There's an older character here to kind of come over and, you know, give him the seal of approval. But this is very much Miles' story. That's uh, even that shot at the end. um, Miles is talking to someone that we can assume is Peter, but he's wearing the classic red and blues. I guess the other thing is, uh, watching this, what did you make of the animation style? We had some thoughts on that when the news started to filter out that this was coming soon. But now that you've seen it, I wasn't sure at first when I was streaming it if I was having some frame rate issues. Yeah, I noticed that as well. That was kind of a weird kind of vibe. And um, my girlfriend, Emma, kind of just watched the trailer with me a few minutes ago and said something similar. It almost feels stop motion in places. Yeah. It's a weird kind of janky, jolty moments and the scene i mentioned earlier where he's dropping down from that building is so smooth and epic and feels incredibly cinematic and then like you said there are certain moments where it seems almost like the frame rate slows down like it's buffering slowly or is a a poorly running video game or something like that and yeah they're they're seemingly trying to balance this kind of to talk about the animation style as well you've got this kind of almost realistic looking new york obviously exaggerated in a neon kind of way with this very pixar style facial animations by the looks of it and i I wonder how they're going to balance that and what the kind of tone of balancing cartoony characters in a quite dark and seemingly realistic world and what kind of kind of i assume they're going to try and balance the tone in the middle there somewhere and tell an interesting story that applies to all ages i uh, my my take on the animation it reminded me of the peanuts film that they did uh, a couple years ago in that it's strange like with so much computer generated animation and it's so fluid and to have it take a step back and be presented uh in in that slightly stop motion sort of format it actually in this very odd way made it seem more human and so the spider-man scenes that they were showing were very fast and fluid but then when he was unmasked it was just kind of more personal in that in a weird way and i don't know if it's because if it is reminiscent of stop motion animation which is a very intensive engaged process from the creative side if that was coming through but i liked it i as you know i watched it another hundred times I, i i started to feel connected to it yeah i'm on board so far and for the record i'd like to say i called it i nailed (laughs) it (laughs) a real great surprise for me was the sequence where miles is chasing the prowler dodging between taxi cabs which one is a beautiful homage to a fiona staples variant cover for the miles morales ultimate spider-man run yeah when he has his feet pinned up against the taxi and the yeah 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 yeah, absolutely i mean that i saw that like wow they really 
they are really handling this with great care and respect. But part of that, the sequence on the trailer, it's so fast, but as he's kind of sticking to the cab or bouncing off it, it switches to like there's a flash of like comic book art. Did you catch that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It says like punk bounces off the top of it. And as the sound effect hits, it, like you said, flashes to a different like 2D style rather than 3D style. And I know it almost gave me like Spider-Gwen vibes of when the sound effects are so kind of integrated into it, they just shape a panel or or something like that. And Robbie and the team over there are just absolute masters at doing that in the for Spider-Gwen and seeing the sound effects actually pop and flash. I wonder if we'll actually see that in the full feature film or if that was just an idea for the trailer. They were just like, this is going to look cool. Comic book fans are going to like this kind of thing. I really hope it's in the final film because it was so fresh and exciting and just new. Like I I love, like I was saying, like how many times have we seen Spider-Man on screen and the fact that they're pushing it even further that that was a really cool touch. I like that. And I love the fact that this movie is just called Spider-Man with the classic Amazing Spider-Man logo. Yep. There are no qualifiers involved. And I think that's been a, a huge thing uh, when it comes to Miles since day one. Um, and the fact that they're just going full on with it gives me a lot of hope that they're going to do this character justice. Definitely. I saw, a, I watched a few of the kind of YouTubers react to this trailer kind of thing. And there were some uh, people who do general kind of movie trailer reviews and they had no idea this was a miles morales movie and then he takes his mask off and they're like oh it's miles oh my god that's amazing (laughs) and i thought that was really cool people even i'm sure people have missed this trailer i'm sure you know parents whose kids will will say oh i want to go and see spider-man they will have no idea that it's miles morales and i think having peter in there and having that kind of connection to the comic books and stuff is really going to help new audiences who have no connection to Miles and just introduce him to this new Spider-Man. And he's not a Spider-Man. He's just, like you said, Brian, Spider-Man. That's all you need. Spider-Man. Yeah, no qualifiers. December 2018. I think it's fair to say can't get here fast enough. Counting down the months. Looking forward to it. And with that, let's get back to our... Regularly scheduled programming. Yes. (laughs) Where we're trying to speculate a little bit more on what this movie might entail. But what we do know at this point, it is called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So that gives us a hint as to what might be in store for us. That lots and lots of other Spider-Man and not particularly a focus on Miles, which kind of worries me. That or the, you know, sort of roundabout explanation for how can there be another Spider-Man? Oh, good point. Yeah, that's introducing kind of brand new viewers and fans to it's not just peter parker folks kind of thing yeah that that would make sense and it's rated g or at least from what little we know the trailer is rated g for all audiences are you waiting for this to turn into the next r-rated like deadpool spinoff no i guess i guess i'm saying i I just don't want some you want a load of poop jokes in your miles morales no no i don't want another (laughs) kind of web warriors cartoon sort of thing for miles anyway uh, speaking of uh, Web Warriors, Gwen, there was some big news for her as well. Gwen is going to be featured in a new series called Marvel Rising. With the subtitle of Secret Warriors, dun, dun, which is dun. very interesting. So Marvel released a sort of promotional clip uh, announcing the series. Gwen will be joined by some other familiar names. We've got Miss Marvel, 
and Squirrel Girl, also Quake, America, Patriot, and Inferno. And the voice for Gwen will be Dove Cameron, who voiced her for the aforementioned Web Warriors cartoon. But I think the real news is she's not going to be called Spider-Gwen or Spider-Woman. She is, in fact, listeners, if you don't know this news, prepare yourselves. Going to be called Ghost Spider. What on earth are you thinking, Marvel? Huh. For the love of all that is Marvel, just call her Spider-Gwen. Because this can only cause more confusion. We've already had Kid Arachnid, which is the worst name for anything in the history of comic books. Nothing is going to beat Kid Arachnid for just sheer awfulness. But I I don't know, I'm actually... (laughs) I'm not entirely off the idea of Ghost Spider. I get why they can't call her Spider-Gwen, because when they announced the comic book, of course, there was a reaction like, well, that's just going to give away her secret identity. And Jason Latour put it quite correctly when he said, well, most characters of comic books don't read the covers that they're featured in. So I guess they're trying to move away from Spider-Woman. Maybe there are plans for that character as well. So if you got to pick a new name... Ghost Spider is a little too reminiscent of Ghost Rider for me, but I don't entirely hate it. I'll, I'll just put it like that. I entirely hate it. it <laughs> okay, fair enough. Too close to Ghost Rider. You're totally right. This series is actually going to start with six four-minute digital shorts that'll then be followed by the feature-length film, uh, Marvel Rising Secret Warriors, uh, all for 2018. Uh, and the focus is going to be on, on Gwen or, or Ghost Spider now, as I guess we'll have to call her for this. But I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how this plays out and between that and uh, the Miles movie, um, about a year from now, uh, actually uh, mid-December 2018, uh, I think we're in for a lot of fun stuff. Speaking of fun stuff, should we talk about some Spider-Man number 235, Brian? Yes, the Sinister Six arc continues. Mm, part two of the Sinister Six, and since it is that time again, it's my turn to do the recap. Hit it! We open with the new Sinister Six plotting to steal the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier they mentioned in the previous issue, and already there's turmoil between the teammates. Sandman is getting more and more hesitant, and Bombshell ends up making his decision for him, and literally blowing him away into the wind. We skip the actual heist itself and join Miles, Sans costume, which we'll get into in a second, battling the armadillo on Brooklyn Bridge. After his ever-trusty Venom Sting doesn't actually work for the first time maybe ever, I think... Miles accidentally beats him with a weird, kind of strange new stringy power. Back to Brooklyn Vision's Academy now, Miles is catching up with Ganky, and Ganky reveals he's been making the web fluid for him this whole time, and Miles has not even noticed. Lana, the other bombshell, her daughter, eventually shows up to speak with Spider-Man, not Miles Morales. Miles is reluctant at first, but eventually suits out to help his friend. Unknown to them, Lana's mother, the other bombshell, and Miles' uncle Aaron the other Iron Spider, watch on and plan on stealing Lana to join their team. Shoo! A lot of stuff happening, and a lot of kind of half scenes, and and the pacing is kind of where I want to start this issue with, because it's one of my main problems with this issue. I feel like we get a lot of, here's this thing, here's another thing, here's another thing, and nothing properly pays off. You kind of get the hug with Lana and Miles for their little moment, but the weird jump to Aaron just appearing out of nowhere and the battle with Armadillo for no reason apart from introducing new powers and we set up a big heist and then nothing happens. It's a really weirdly paced issue. Yeah, and the heist, losing losing that moment was, was a disappointment for me. Like I wanted definitely. to see them work together a bit more and... Um... We literally haven't seen them do anything yet. 
Right. Well, I mean, we did get a, a surprising moment with uh, Bombshell or or Momshell, maybe. Um, just, <laughs> hey, dad jokes. Dad jokes for mom characters. I, I've got plenty. But um, but taking out Salmon, that was a cool moment. But other than that, other than the little bit of discord within the team, they're just kind of standing around. It felt like a missed opportunity in a big way. I'm, I'm with you there. The kind of feeling I'm getting is we're not going to see all of them in action at once. It's this weird kind of, oh, this particular member of the Sinister Six gets a moment and then that character gets a moment. And we literally open like the second panel of the entire issue is them all lined up in the classic superhero, supervillain style. We're a team and we're working together kind of thing. Some of us are squatting down. Some of us are looming in the background for some reason. It's the the classic silhouetted against the moon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then none of them really do anything for the next seven pages or however long it is until, like you said, mom shell, as, as we are going to call her from now on, we've got gold orbs and we've got mom shell. <laughs> this is, this is the legacy of ultimate spin. And like nothing really happens. Do they succeed in stealing the helicarrier? I assume so. Cause Aaron just shows up at the end. Sure. Like, it would be nice to have seen them actually do something, and maybe Miles gets a whiff of that, or another superhero, like the Bendis first minor character shows up to try and stop them, and they have a little moment there. Because, and this is one of my main problems, is this middle scene with Armadillo. Mm, here we go. The pacing is, is kind of the thing that first grabbed me as a problem with this issue. But what is this scene on the Brooklyn Bridge? Do we need any of this? First of all, who cares about Armadillo? He's a poor man's rhino. We all know it. The characters know it. He probably knows it himself. But this weird, we need to show Miles' power somehow. For some reason, we have to do it in this issue moment, just arbitrarily in this issue. It's so weird and just cuts that scene so short. And then... Again, no consequences from this. We just cut back to the school. It's so weirdly placed that could, if that was the opening scene, if you, I can, you could literally cut and paste these scenes kind of out and around and slightly change the dialogue, and it would probably work a lot better. If you swap this and the heist scene around, I feel that would work much more kind of coherently in terms of a an issue. Whereas this just feels like. What was it? Four scenes altogether? Five, if you include the final page, just pop together because that's a comic book. And it's like, it's barely even 20 pages. I feel like we could have had a couple of extra pages of actually getting that heist or having Miles talking to Ganky a bit more because Miles and Ganky are the best. That's that's one of the main reasons people read this book. Well, it felt really to... disjointed for me. Do you, do you agree, Brian? Or am I just being a bit too critical of that middle scene, do you think? The... Well, I mean, let's let's look at that scene. I I agree. I mean, now that you're articulating and such, like, yeah, I, I can see how it's a it's a bit cut and paste in nature. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about the what I would say is the heart of this issue with Miles's new ability. What was your what was your cut level reaction to see strings shooting out of his hands? I think we know what my reaction is going to be, Brian. I'm being the Dan Gavosden of this episode because I am just grumpy, cranky. Get this stuff out of my Spider-Man books. Okay, so tell you what, you you go first, and then I'll, I'll give you my take. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. 
what it, it's odd that it happens to happen at the same time as oh i don't have any more web fluid suddenly i'm shooting kind of webby things out of my hands they're glowing gold which is becoming a bigger thing with miles and it's nice to not have the venom sting thing work for once and he addresses the consequences of the venom blast at one point even though we never really see that he, he's just becoming way too overpowered and does he need more powers? He can already go invisible, basically knock anyone out at any given time. Miles is becoming less of a Spider-Man and more of a Superman at this point, and he is just... Uh, it, it's a... I mean, it's not a huge power, but it, it seems completely arbitrary at this point to give him another magical, glowing, golden power. What do you think, Brian? I have genuinely been enjoying the last few issues where the use of the whole Venom thing has been dialed down uh, a bit. Um, and I love, as you mentioned, like, I love the fact that this is, uh, the moment where he finally, finally acknowledges that there's a risk factor to using it, or at least for the super blast version. I mean, we got a hint of that in Japan when he took out all the techno ninjas and was just kind of collapsed on the floor, but I appreciated seeing it spelled out. And, uh, maybe even more importantly, seeing Miles's cockiness about the Venom Sting just taken down a couple of pegs. I mean, I remember uh, during the whole Civil War II stuff where they had that cover of Miles versus Venom, and then the actual battle was like two panels <laughs> where he goes, oh, zap, that. Venom Sting, all right, you're down, see you later. And he even like just left before, you know, he goes, oh, you'll, you'll get it in a minute. Um, so he uses that kind of routine here again, and it doesn't work. And why... Armadillo can shrug it off while Venom couldn't. That's a conversation for another day. But or or a literal demon, yeah, or, or a demon, loads right. of other stuff that is way more powerful. We'll 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 table that. I'm I'm with you there. But Armadillo's got something special. But apparently, so the power is weird. I thought it was a smart choice to have it evolve, and it's also just tying together these ideas of Miles wanting to be his own man instead of Spider-Man. I mean, I love that it was. In his street clothes and the street clothes that was, uh, the street clothes that were featured on the cover of the novel, you know, the red hoodie and the, uh, and the jeans. And I hope the web shooters stay retired for a while. I think that that keeps it interesting. I guess where it fell flat for me was, yes, it's a new power. Yes, it's cool. But it, you know, the Venom Sting, I guess it, it always saved the day. And that was my frustration with it. And this was just swapping out. Like, well, Venom Sting didn't save the day. Well, this thing suddenly happens to him and he happens to make it work perfectly. And instead of, and it's like, well, that was weird. It would have been more interesting to have it like he can't, you know, they're still kind of like waving all over the place or he can't quite control it. And he doesn't know what to do next and is freaked out or rattled by it instead of like, oh, that was cool. Next. Cool idea, but maybe the execution wasn't so great for me. And then like a street fighter, dragon ball uppercut thing that he does for no reason. Does he now have super punching powers? Iron Fist style? He doesn't need super martial arts powers as well as a Venom Sting and a Venom Blast and these glowing, like, strings, whatever you want to call them, coming out of his fingers. I'm looking at that panel, and yeah, I, I agree in the context of the story, but if you, I mean, out of the context of the story, it looks like it was a really fun thing to to draw and, and render, and it's a standout panel in an issue where the art was a little bit of a surprise, actually. And I was trying to wrap my head around, like, I, I checked the names, like Oscar Basildu, who we've raved about in for past issues, but something was not 
working quite as well for me when I was uh, reading this. I I totally agree. And like you said, Basildur was kind of a newcomer to both of us, I think, when he came onto this this series. And he's been incredible. Nothing short of absolutely fantastic. Totally picking up the mantle that Marquez and Pacelli and Leon and all those guys and, you know, that fantastic issue with Kodransky as well. They've, there's been consistently fantastic art on this book and it's always been a highlight. And something felt just a bit weird and a bit off. And it wasn't until you called it out, Brian, because our, our little uh, show notes here is a little behind the scenes for the listeners. It's a different colorist. And I thought, huh, that totally makes sense. And uh, our old pal Justin Ponza, who has been like one of the consistently fantastic parts, along with like Rico Renzi's work on Spider-Gwen, the colorist has often been the constant that keeps the art kind of tied together through artistic changes or guest artists or annuals and stuff like that. I'm, I'm really starting to think Justin Ponder is kind of MVP for this series. I hadn't really realized I hadn't given him his dues properly. I'm, you know, we sing his praises from episode to episode, of course, because he's one of the best in the business. But this issue looked really weird. And as soon as you said the colorist has changed. I was like, oh, that is probably the problem. It really kind of clicked for me in the gym scene at Brooklyn Visions Academy, where that first panel, I thought it was a cool effect. You're looking at the wood panel floor and there's the reflection of the overhead lights coming off the floor. I know exactly where you're going with this. As the scene continues, it's like the lighting is overkill, I think, Uh, you know, with the shadows on everyone's faces. I don't know what's meant to be happening with the lighting, but I don't know if it's like throwing off the depth or the faces, the way the light is reflecting off all the characters' faces looks really weird and strange. And I think, you know, some of them are cast in deep, deep shadows and then like these kind of shiny parts off of Miles's face or Genki's face. It, it looked odd. And by the time Lana enters the scene and Barbara, especially, Barbara doesn't even get to say anything. She just has a silent moment, but she ended up looking really generic, which was disappointing. I mean, I'm already worried that she's going to become a, a generic girlfriend character, and this didn't really do her any favors. And by the time we get outside and Miles and Lana are having their conversation, like I, I almost needed sunglasses. It was so bright. It's weird because it feels like I, th- I feel like there's the, the central cause of that kind of extra brightness is the character's skin, which is a really weird thing to say, but. Everyone looks like they're molded out of a really smooth, wet clay. Whether it's Ganky or Lana or Miles or even Fabio, Barbara, the, the other random people in the background. There's like a couple of basketball players who are just super slick and shiny for seemingly no reason. And it's a problem throughout the issue, but it, it it's like dialed up. Like they're all oiled up, ready to go to watch some basketball. It's so <laughs> weird. It, it's like, I, I mean... In, in the absence of Omar or Kyle, like it looks like they're about to go like professional wrestling. Like they've oiled themselves up, ready to to wrestle. It's so weird. And like you said, that the source of the light kind of just doesn't make any sense. The source of the light seems to be us, the viewer, and then you suddenly have shadows on like where there probably shouldn't be shadows on one half of a character's face. And then as soon as anyone turns to the camera, they're like glistening in the sun of apparently everything it's very very weird everybody's way too shiny and almost look like yeah made out of plastic or clay or something like that 
Yeah, it's a, it's a new colorist, uh, Brian Reber, and I'm not familiar with their work. And I, I looking at it, like, I can appreciate what he was trying to do here. Um, it just, I think it needs to be dialed back a little bit to get the effect that he's going for. I mean, that said, there were, there are some cool moments here. We mentioned the Miles, uh, punch out panel and exploding Sandman. I also liked the hammerhead flashback. I thought that was really scary and terrifying and it, and it worked well in the context of that scene. Miles sort of having that panic moment and even like a Red Hulk cameo that that's kind of a goofy, fun thing to to just show up. I thought that all worked fairly well. I do want to call out the highlights, even though art wise, the, the issue fell a little bit flat for me. I totally agree. And I think the highlights you, you picked out are pretty much my highlights as well. And I thought the opening scene is probably actually the best looking part of this book for me. Going to that scene toward the end with the conversation on the roof, I really like the fact that we've been having this uh, journey with Miles about reevaluating his purpose and his identity and does he want to define himself as Spider-Man. And he's moving away from that as the action in the last couple of issues have underlined. But then of all people, Lana is able to reel him back in right away. I thought that was interesting. You know, she just said, I need Spider-Man and this is going to sound odd, but I was actually a little disappointed to see that he's going to get back in the costume again. Because I I really enjoyed, or I've been enjoying seeing him move further out on his own and, and figuring out what defines Miles as an individual. So there's that. And then also the idea that he's willing to do this for her. Does Barbara have a reason to be nervous? Absolutely. I wonder if he's coming to realize that he... I mean, if we're talking teenage language, he likes Lana more than he thinks he likes Lana, that kind of thing. Whereas, like I said, with Peter Parker, and even when Gwen went through this recently, it felt like there was more of a dramatic, not necessarily drawn out in a drawn out in a positive way, I guess, that it takes more than just a couple of words for me to resume this mantle and the, the powers and the responsibility that come with the title of Spider-Man. And he felt like he was just like, he literally says, yeah, okay. Like, that's so kind of half-hearted and kind of, oh, yeah, okay, I guess you talked me around to possibly dying at the hands of a supervillain. To be fair, it is it is her mom. And, I, and, and you know, Miles and, and family, and that that's the interesting kind of payoff for me because the final page, we have another bombshell and another Spider-Man character talking on the roof. So I, I like that there's this sort of dark mirror parallel thing being set up. I think that's going to be really interesting for these four characters and, and for, for us as readers to, to discover. I, I think that's such a cool premise. And it's also frustrating about this issue because I, I just want to get to that. So this is like, all right, well, we got to we gotta cycle through this. And there's some other stuff Bendis is kind of threading in the background. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but uh, the whole thing with, with Genki and providing support for Miles. That was a weird moment. I felt like that was underplayed and just like, well, yeah, of course he's been doing this. I'm like, what do you mean, of course he's been doing this? He's a, he's a teenager in college. Like, where did this come from? Is that kind of setting up that Miles has been underappreciating Yankee this whole time? Because we've, we've had hints at that before, which we've talked about, of this kind of Miles becoming more distant. And they went through a kind of a an argument and a spat recently, a few issues back, and... I don't know if this is going to be setting something bigger or if it's just a kind of, hey, hey, no web fluid, kind of just a quick little one line. I would like to think it's the former, especially because we had Danica, the vlogger, raving about 
Miles. And as the series went on, Genki and Danica seem to find a very special connection as well. And he's trying to even, he's trying to tell him about this. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. He was about to, and Miles was about to listen, and then Lana showed up and inter- interfered, and Genki, being a good friend, said, okay, well, you know, this my stuff can wait. And poor Fabio just standing there silently. <laughs> He's just been <laughs> reduced to like, uh. But I, I think you're right. I think their friendship is definitely going to be tested. And when we talked to Bendis earlier this year, he mentioned that there would be some stuff for Genki to deal with in terms of being, as he put it, Spider-Man's pal. This was, of course, before we knew the DC news was happening. So I'm crossing my fingers that we'll get to explore that satisfactorily, or at least set it up for the next writer to pick up. I feel like that relationship is so a core part of uh, any Miles Morales book and has been for so long now that it needs a good test. I think we need to see something shift up with those guys. Ah, well, we've got a few months left still uh, to find out. So fingers crossed. So. To summarize Spider-Man number 235, Brian, hit me with your three words, please, sir. Let's get going. I feel like that could be a line straight from the issue as well. Come on already. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jack? I'm going to go for another new power with a question mark, exclamation mark at the end there, if my intonation wasn't clear. Nani? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear it's all getting a bit too bit too anime a bit too crazy no. <laughs> but speaking of things getting crazy we also got some listener feedback which we very much appreciate and it's from our long-term listener our good pal mr lawrence minor the third lawrence goes on and says hey guys it's still such a surreal feeling knowing that bendis will be leaving miles and marvel in general but if you can keep up this momentum, then I have my hopes cautiously higher that will cap off the main series on a high note. Fingers crossed, Lawrence. Anyways, I remember asking a while back, who would you want to replace Bendis as the writer for Miles when he decided to leave? <coughs> Jason Reynolds. Oh. <laughs> this time, I want to ask the flip side of that question. Who are the writers you absolutely don't want writing Miles? This is not to bash their writing skills or anything like that. I just mean writers you don't think would be a good fit for this character. Hmm... I thought it was a very interesting question. Yeah. And I can list off writers I don't like, but none of them currently work for Marvel. Like, I, I'm thinking along the lines of, like, Rob Liefeld, for example. But there's no kind of active working... I'm, th- I'm thinking specifically within the Marvel kind of family, the Marvel pool of writers and creators. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, you're not going to get Robert Kirkman or Eric Larson writing. Exactly. Right. I get, yeah, I get yeah. it. I wouldn't mind seeing somebody, a really big, crazy name like Brian K. Vaughan shows up out of nowhere and suddenly yeah. does Miles Morales. I'm, like, I'm on board for that because I love Brian K. Vaughan. But I'm trying to think of a, of a Marvel person i really not that keen on. And I'm struggling because a, a lot of the stuff is good. And a lot of the the problems I have with kind of the Marvel stuff that, goes wrong for me in modern comics is the event stuff rather than the ongoing series if i don't like a character or an ongoing series i don't tend to read it so i don't know have you got any ideas brian i don't it's it's a similar thing like uh i would love to see you know we we mentioned jason reynolds a lot um like an amy reader like writers like that i think would be great uh to write for them but yeah not writing that's that's tricky i I think the 
the kind of de facto big names these days are people like Charles Soule or Mark Wade. Um, and I wouldn't want to see them writing it, not in, not in a slight, uh, in any way against their writing, but only because I think I'd, I'd just like to see some new voices. They, they both have, are taking a lot on, um, and they're doing great stuff. I mean, I've, I've been enjoying, uh, Daredevil recently and Mark Wade, like Archie and teen drama. Like he's been doing great things with that. I, I've been enjoying that a lot. And his Captain America is off to a good start as well. I was thinking about what, uh, our friend Omar Holman, who joined us on our last Miles episode, was saying about this is a real opportunity to get writers of color and get a different perspective in there. And we got a huge taste of that in the novel that uh, Jason Reynolds did. Uh, we mentioned Eve Ewing as a possible writer for uh, Ironheart. I know I would love to see her do her thing for Miles. And David Walker has not been shy about being open, open to the job. So. <laughs> Yeah, if it, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to say uh, guys like Wade or, or Saul only because it, it's just time for something new. So I, I wouldn't, you know, they're they're safe bets. I get that. I, I think this is a crazy time of change and taking risks. And let's take a risk. Give it to a new voice. I've thought of a name who used to write for Marvel, but no longer does because he's off doing Hollywood stuff that I would dread to see write Miles Morales. Mm. And funnily enough, he has the same initials. It's Mark Millar. Oh, God. And I, and I cannot think. We're talking about, you mentioned Civil War 2 earlier, and I was like, Civil War. Oh, ah, no. Yes. Wow. Mark Millar. I don't want to see Mark Millar write Miles Morales ever, please. And and the, he's he's kind of part of that crew of the... 80s 90s early 2000s people that i don't really want to see touch these young characters i want i want the these young characters in their series to kind of go on and be opportunities for fresh new writers whether they're established writers in in other medium or totally brand new to to writing and happen to have you know caught the attention of marvel for whatever reason i want to see somebody new take on miles and i think that'd be the right thing to do for such a an interesting character. As is a uh, rapidly becoming tradition, Lawrence hooked us up with a suggested playlist for issue number 235. I'm still recovering from trying to do run the jewels <laughs> last time. So are our listeners. They're still recovering from your rapping, laying down your dad rapping skills. Thank you very much. But uh, yeah, so I don't know if That's I'm going to... something I'm going to play to your kids in like 10 <laughs> years time and they'll just, just be full of shame and dread. No, they'll probably like, we know. <laughs> We know. <laughs> yeah, we've been in a car with our dad before. We know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll share the uh, links for these on our show notes page. He suggested for more heist music. Uh, I wasn't familiar with this one. Uh, Cayman Rhythm by Two Fingers. Never heard this one. Yeah, I never heard it either. You guys can check it out. Let us know what you think. And then, uh, yes, Miles, superhero puberty is a thing, but worry not, for you shall become harder, better, faster, stronger. <laughs> harder better faster stronger working harder make it better do it faster make that stronger i'm not gonna do the high notes don't worry work it all right daft punk oh, oh right. my lord <laughs> no. just when you thought brian's dad rapping was the worst oh i come in with the high notes oh, just yeah. trying to make you look better brian don't worry thank you well then in that case this this next one if this doesn't sum up the friendship of miles and lana in a nutshell then nothing will Lean on Me by Bill Withers. 
Excellent tune, excellent tune. That's a classic. You can't go wrong with a bit of Bill Withers. And maybe once like she goes over to the dark side, we can do Ain't No Sunshine when she's gone. Hey, look at you. <laughs> I'm coming in with the classics, don't All worry. Right. I'm not just a, a Daft Punk fanboy. <laughs> Thanks, Lawrence. Before we get ready to sign off, we have a contest winner. So, as we mentioned in a previous episode, we have a digital copy of Spider-Man Homecoming to give away. That is courtesy of our good friend and longtime listener, Ruben. Uh, thanks so much for donating that. And the contest was suggest a name, a new name, for the new Sinister Six. And so we to say thanks to everyone that entered. Uh, we got some pretty, pretty funny and clever entries. But... There can be only one. So we'll feed everyone's names into the ultimate spin computer and grab a winner. Congratulations to Natalie Domini Reed. That's at Natalie Reed 84 on Twitter. Dr. Octopus and some other guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, that, that kind of sums it up. Thank you to everyone else, including a lot of long-term listeners who submitted them. But Natalie, if you can drop us an email, feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com, and we'll get that code sent over to you so you can enjoy kind of a version of Spider-Man hanging out with Genki. I mean, Ned Leeds. We've got Uncle Aaron in there, too. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's basically a Miles Morales movie. And it's a really great film. So if you haven't already seen it, Natalie, you're in for a treat. Thanks again to everyone that entered the contest. And thanks to you guys for listening. We'd love to hear from you and what you thought of issue number 235, what you're making of the Miles movie news, the Gwen movie news, all that good stuff. Drop us a line, feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com. You can always connect with us on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin. And we're over on Facebook at Ultimate Spin Podcast and Instagram at ultimate underscore spin underscore podcast. Our hashtags are Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Spider-Gwen. And Ghost Spider. And Ghost Spider. Hey, you're right. Hashtags Kid Arachnid and Ghost Spider. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> it's happening. And of course, you can find our previous episodes on our website or search iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play using the term Ultimate Spin. And speaking of social media, how can our many dear listeners follow your adventures outside of the Ultimate Spin podcast, Brian? Well, if you want to keep up uh, with my observations of the world, uh, whether it's through Twitter or through camera lens, you can find all of that good stuff at project37.net. And you, Jack? I'm JLW Chambers on basically everything, whether that's photographic, text-based mediums, and of course, I host a bunch of other podcasts as well. You've got Sequelizers, which is my movie podcast. I join the Super 8-Bit Power Hour guys fairly regularly on their show, and of course, my long-term running comic book show, Into Comics Podcast. Coming up in a future episode, we have the next issue of Spider-Gwen, issue number 27, which is part three of the Gwenamark. With pressure mounting on all sides, the police force ratchets up their manhunt for the dangerous fugitive called Spider-Woman, a.k.a. Ghost Spider. It doesn't say that. I added that in. And they're hot on her tail, even in spite of her new black costume. Then in Spider-Man 2, number five, Peter and Miles are faced with their toughest challenge yet, if you thought the end of the first Spider-Man series was huge, brace yourself. I can't brace myself anymore for this. Let's just let's just get to it. I am not braced. I refuse to brace. I don't believe this solicitation. 
it, it's lied to us before, it'll lie to us again. Go away, Spider-Man 2. But in more positive news, Spider-Man issue 236 is coming up in January. The bombshells are back together. Lana has been through so much and has grown into a hero. But her mum's back in the equation and things look bad for her. And do you know who they look even worse for? Who? Miles Morales. You'd never have guessed it, right? Oh my god. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we're all fans. And even if we don't love every issue, our thanks as always go to the creators for their hard work in making these books happen. And thanks to you for spending part of your day hanging out with us to read and talk about it all. So, until next time, hang in there, be well, and we'll catch you soon on The Ultimate Spin. Oh, my God.